It's not every day that the biggest news story in the country happens in your backyard, but that's exactly what happened to my guest this week. This is the Greatest Story Ever podcast. There comes a time when all the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place and the universe opens itself up for a few seconds to show you what's possible. With Keith Conrad. You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the story of Brianna Hill, who was in the middle of taking the bar exam and ended up going into labor, and she actually finished the exam while she was going through labor. Well, she got the results back, and she passed. Congrats to Brianna, and if I'm ever in legal trouble, I know exactly who I'm going to call. Naturally, you would have already heard about Brianna's story if you had visited KeithConradMedia.com and signed up for my free email newsletter, The News Side Quest. It's a collection of news stories that seem to get lost in the shuffle with all of the outrage out there. A side quest of the news, if you will. Also, check out Lifeline On The Air, a new podcast venture I'm involved with from Lifeline Theater in Chicago. For December, we're presenting an audio adaptation of The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by Frank L. Baum, you know, the guy who wrote The Wizard of Oz. And, of course, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to be listening to it. My guest this week has been all over radio in Chicago at WGN Radio FM News 101, The Loop, and now you can hear him on WBBM. Before that, he started his radio career at WTMJ in my former stomping grounds in Milwaukee. Rob Hart, thanks so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me. Now, we just got through an election. And, uh, you know, there, there may be a lot of people who are uh, a little bit uh, electioned out after, after uh, the, the 2020 election because it got a little heated. But uh, you have a, a, an experience that uh, is, is at least a little bit more uh, uplifting than uh, the election we, we went through. I mean, you, you covered the... Uh, 2008 presidential election and actually the uh, election night at Grant Park for President Obama. Yes. Um, And so this was my third election that I had covered uh, as a professional um, because I'd been in Milwaukee in 2000. Like I just started in radio in 2000 and, you know, hopped on board during the election season there and then was yeah. Actually, I, I started working in Huntsville. I was still in college at the time, but I started working at the uh, at the radio station in Huntsville two days after the 2000 presidential election. And I remember that because the afternoon host, Keith Larson, who's like seriously to this day, the best host I I ever worked with. Uh, he was actually doing this bit where every time he came back, uh, he had a like a breaking news update of the next thing that they were using to count Florida ballots. <laughs> They were bringing in a magician and a Ouija board. And uh, so like that's that still stands out to me that that the the way he did that was hilarious. And and it's it made that much of an imprint. Well, the the one thing I remember the most about uh, the the, covering the recount, I mean, there are two things. I mean, one, um, ABC News Radio had put up on one of the satellite channels one morning just sound from a helicopter that had been following this van up one of the South Florida interstates. And the, the van was carrying, I think overseas ballots or, or some potentially decisive uh, group of ballots. And we came out of a newscast at the top of the hour and it was just the net sound of the van going along 
you know, this this car full of consequential <laughs> ballots. And then the second thing, which was actually kind of scary, I was uh, I was um, I was screening calls, you know, because one of my earliest jobs there was, you know, weekend producer slash newscaster slash run the board during sporting events. And so slash watch the the uh, the, the uh, station vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. So this the Saturday there was, was Saturday night and. We had uh, Dave Melnick, local attorney, the resident liberal on TMJ, and he was on and he was talking about the election. And the irony was that, you know, Dave was pretty centrist. I mean, he tacked a little bit to the left, but he wasn't like a he wasn't, you know, he was still pretty, you know, down the middle, respectful to callers, just had a different perspective. But that was the one and only time I ever had to deal with a death threat from anybody was was when this. this guy called and I, I, you know, it was like, what do you do? It's like, well, I tell the program director, write out, you know, verbatim what the person said and the time, you know, maybe they can track him down. But yeah, that, that was one of those things that made, you know, this makes your blood run cold when you hear that. So, so, we, so we both got death threats in Milwaukee because of our radio. Oh, jobs. you did too, that's, huh? Yeah. That's uh, something I didn't know we had. in. I, I guess that's, uh, you know, maybe that's just, you know, one of the things you do to earn your spurs in this business is to uh, get a death threat from somebody. But yeah, that was, that was truly frightening. And just was a, a sign of how heated things got, especially as the recount dragged on. Cause I think this was maybe this might've been after Thanksgiving. So this, you know, at this point now in 2020, the election is for all intents and purposes over the, uh, you know, you, you have a resolution that wasn't the case then. And, uh, yeah, it, people just got angrier and angrier as, uh, as time went on. So that, that was one manifestation of that. So that was the beginning with the beginning was 2000 and then 2004, you know, Wisconsin was extremely close in 2000 and 2004, it promised to be close once again, uh, the Democratic primary that year, uh, Wisconsin was rather decisive. So they had me uh, cover one of the Democratic primary debates. It was at Marquette University. Uh, the you know I just graduated two years before, and you know the cafeteria and the student union had been uh, transformed into the press room for uh, uh, for, for the debate and. I got to meet all these people who I, you know, followed and listened to and admired for a long time. I mean, uh, I had to track down Lester Holt, uh, you know, at that point, four years removed from Channel 2. And uh, he mm-hmm. was moderating the debate with uh, Mike Goucher of TMJ TV and, you know, told him, Mr. Holt, I've listened to you. I've watched you forever. And now you're on NBC. <laughs> and the, the cool thing about that was he, he had a... a his son, Stefan, you know, now anchor at Channel 5, uh, was, yeah. you know, I think he might have been in high school or even in eighth grade or something like that. And he was kind of trailing his dad and learning about the TV business. But then I walked over to the, you know, there were, uh, you know, network radio was there. And, you know, Peter Mayer, who was the uh, uh, longtime White House correspondent for the CBS radio network, he was there. I talked to him for a little while. So it was really cool to meet all these people. Flash forward. Uh, every Bush campaign event in, in Wisconsin or in the Milwaukee area, I went to a lot of them, every Kerry campaign event 
in Wisconsin. I went to a lot of them. And so, you know, I really kind of had this insider's look at one very specific slice of a general election campaign. And then I thought moving to Illinois, that's over. You know, you're not, it's not, it's, it's, it was, it was, it was no longer considered a swing state. I mean, it, it was solidly in the democratic column as far as presidential politics were concerned. So I thought, all right, well, we're done. And then, uh, uh, the Obama candidacy began and Chicago wound up being the center of the political universe. And I found myself in this, this, you know, consequential moment in American history. So you were at WGN at the time. So how did uh, how did you end up being the person that specifically covered the Obama, uh, uh, you know, party in in Grand Park? Was it because of your previous experience, or did you uh, draw the short straw? How did how did that honestly? Happen? I don't. Gosh, I don't really remember how the staffing went because we had at that time. Um, one, maybe two street reporters. And I was normally assigned to morning drive. So I would be like the roving reporter for anything happening in the morning. So if you had to call on something as it was happening, if you had to go somewhere as, as it was happening, that was my responsibility for morning newscasts. But during the and we had a dry run of this during the primary, the Illinois primary, which in 08, um, for some reason, one of the 2004 after action items for the Democratic Party was to move the primary schedule up. So you can just get this thing decided and you can start building up the nominee and there's no hard feelings. So what happened was New Hampshire said, okay, we're, 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 we're moving into January. And then Iowa said, well, like, you know, by some ancient law of the sea or something like that, we always have to go first. So the way this kept going was that New Hampshire kept going up. Iowa kept going up to the point where the Iowa caucus in 2008 was January 3rd. And Mm -hmm. so then New Hampshire was the following week. And then the Illinois legislature moved theirs up by a month because they wanted, you know, because Obama was running, you know, they wanted to move Illinois into Super Tuesday or what was then considered Super Tuesday. uh, So potentially the home state could put the home senator over the top and make him the Democratic nominee. But then. Yeah. And I remember that that was an issue like across the board because. Like Florida had moved theirs, and because of that, like they had uh, they had some sort of uh, penalty against them, like fewer delegates. So yeah, Florida. Florida Republican jumped in side, line. Um, yeah, on the on the Republican side, Rudy Giuliani had staked everything on Florida, and then it turned out that Florida was pretty meaningless. And that was that was a because uh, I remember like there there was there was Super Tuesday, and then because all the other states decided to jump. To, thought they would head to the line first. And so in February of that year, you had like a super Tuesday, a super duper Tuesday, a tsunami Tuesday. And if someone really got some momentum, it all would have been over by February 29th, but that was not the case. But we had, we, we had, we had, you know, the way election staffing worked at GN was uh, you'd have an election night show. It was basically, it was, 
Wesley, the news director, I think it was David Stewart, uh, were kind of like the two co-anchors. And then you'd have like a panel of experts. I think Dick Kay, you know, the former political editor from Channel 5 would show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the late Paul Green from Roosevelt University. So you had like your your in-studio stable of experts. Uh, Steve Bertrand would be at the anchor desk. And so he was the one who would go around to people in the field at various venues. And at that time, you know, GN had a serious budget for news gathering. And so they would send you to uh, a campaign party with an engineer and with like another microphone set up uh, so you could bring in newsmakers and talk to them. And so Mm -hmm. we kind of, we got, we got this, we, we got the workflow down in 08 because um, Obama, his super Tuesday campaign party was at the Hyatt Regency we had an engineer, we were on Radio Row, we, you know, we were in this giant ballroom in the basement of the Hyatt Regency, and that was kind of the dry run for the election. That was for the general election. So I think basically they had me in Grant Park because I was at the hotel um, in February. And so, and I, I think that was simply a matter of, uh, you know, just kind of scheduling luck. And there were also, I think there were, there was no other reason to have other people out that night too in November of 08. You know, Durbin, Durbin's election was pretty much fait accompli at that point, and he was going to be in Grant Park anyway with all the other prominent Democrats. And then, um, you know, the congressional races once again, there was nothing really, nothing really kind of to to keep on. Like the only congressional race I think that was of note was um i wanted to say was it tammy duckworth she um, might have... i think that was before tammy duckworth because tammy duckworth ran against roscom once and in lost 06, and, then and then duckworth yeah oh, okay then in 08 ran against no 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 because no, in uh 20 2010 is when she ran against uh uh, Joe Walsh and one. Yeah, it was, it was anyway. So I think that might've been the only other congressional race of note that anybody was like even thinking about. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was more or less a quirk of scheduling that sent me out there. And, um, it was, I'm trying to remember now I had to go the day before to the Hyatt because once again, the Hyatt Regency was kind of serving as the Obama campaign headquarters slash like press space. Mm -hmm. And so um, you had to go get like your media credentials and it was just whatever you do, you got to be there early. Uh, You know, our engineer got there. He was going to work an 18 hour day. He got there in the like at five o'clock in the morning election day because all of his gear had to be swept by the secret service and he had to set up in the back of the media tent um which was where a local radio was stationed (laughs) we were in the back row of the tent (laughs) so when you look at the the big kind of vista shot of election night 08 you know the, the skylines in the background you see you know barack and michelle and uh joe biden and and dr jill biden and you see this big white tent kind of in the background. Those, those were all like local TV stations on various risers. And then behind the risers, 
there were two rows of radio tent of, of, of tables meant for radio. And I was in the, literally the back of that tent. Yeah. I remember covering, um, uh, the Republican primary in 2012 and, uh, Romney had, uh, had an event at the, uh, um, the hotel in Schaumburg, because I think like that was literally the only place that could accommodate the security. And, uh, and, and it was pretty much the same thing where you had like all the, uh, all the TV people and risers. And then, then the radio people were sort of shoved in, in behind the risers. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like, do you need a good, do you need a good, uh, uh, shot of, of what you're covering? Well, ideally, but no, okay, fine. Here you go. Here, just be glad you're in the room. <laughs> Um, but I mean, everybody, it was, it was funny cause like all, all these, and I, I ran into people that I knew from, you know, who had worked in Milwaukee and then went off to, you know, TV stations at other points of the compass in the Midwest. And they were all there that night, you know, Milwaukee, Madison, mm-hmm. Detroit, Minneapolis, Indianapolis, Green Bay, like eh, St. Louis, everybody, uh, got room there. And then the, like the big the big networks had their own like tent space like on a ninety degree angle from us because I ran into a friend of mine from Marquette who was working as you know she was a producer for the Fox News Channel and she was working with the Obama campaign that year and I ran into her just kind of like walking around trying to find somebody to interview and she said yeah I'm we're over in the Fox tent and it's you know it's spacious and had this, you know, great view of the stage and like we're next to CNN and you, and you can kind of look, you could kind of, if you walked around the riser, you could see like Wolf Blitzer and you could see the, uh, the CBS news crew and ABC and MSNBC, they were all out there. So, but that's where all the VIPs were going. And so we sent, and, and I had a producer that night, uh, the station sent Kristen Decker down to Grant Park with me. And, you know, she had jumped from the ranks of interns uh, into the, 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 the producer, into the producer rotation pretty quickly, you know, because Kristen's very good at what she does. And mm-hmm. so she was there. I said, just like kind of station yourself by the uh, the VIP entrance. Here's a recorder. If you catch anybody, let me know. Well, all the biggies like got there early. So, the, so like Durbin was already there. Daly was already there. And the, the, so all that was left to come in with the, our, our two big gets that night were Rod Blagojevich and Jesse Jackson. And nice. I tried to get the rapper common who, when he was like walking over the VIP tent, but he like walked past us. And I thought, like, why is everyone following that guy? Oh, that's common. I'm like, oh, I've heard of common. And so, <laughs> and, and, and this, I, that's literally, I've heard of common. I, and, and so I walk over there, excuse me, common, I'm with WGN radio, common, common. And he like totally just blew and it, I thought like, wait a minute, this guy's a Chicago native. Clearly he knows WGN. And, uh, the answer to that was either no, or he just completely ignored me. So every time I see Common on 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 TV, I just think of myself being ignored. And yeah, yeah. 
And, and you can't watch Terminator Salvation at all. You know, mostly because it's really bad, but also because of that. It's, <laughs> there, <laughs> there he is all of a sudden. The uh, the memories of being blown off uh, uh, rise once again. So, and then... <clears throat> The way it worked was, again, it was like, get there early. And election night 08 in Chicago, uh, it had been unseasonably warm. The the Halloween was the Friday night before, and I went to a Halloween party uh, because the time I was 28, single, you know, can go anywhere and do anything, you know. And I go to this Halloween party, and... We spent the entire time on their porch because it was beautiful out. It was like it was like a summer evening. And then that continued, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And Tuesday, you know, it's gorgeous out and um, sun is shining. It's spring like or late summer. I think it was like 75 degrees. I didn't even wear a coat. It was it was just unnecessary. So I, mm-hmm. I go to the Tribune probably at three o'clock and I just pick up a laptop and kind of the gear that I, that was not the gear that I could bring myself that the station hadn't already brought for me. I get into cabin Michigan Avenue already. You see people who are walking around with like the Obama hope t-shirts on, you know, campaign gear, uh, Everyone's geared up for a party because for the first time, probably since 1996, uh, by election night 08, it was fairly obvious who was going to win. It would have been really mm-hmm. shocking uh, had John McCain found a way to, to to pull that one out. Like the polls at the time, you know, the, the polling methodology was good. Uh, people were answering the phone. Uh, there were no issues about accuracy. Um and you know Nate Silver had had brought his uh, his particular uh, brand of analysis to bear. You know that was a, a different way of looking at polling compared to to years previous years. So we had all of this like advanced knowledge, and it was all you know very ahead of the curve and very insightful, and had proven to be right in the primaries. Mm-hmm. And. So yes, everyone was like in the mood for a party. Nobody even I, I I couldn't think of a single person who thought for a moment that he wasn't going to win by that point. Well, I mean, well, I mean, it seems like it know, seems like you know polling has gotten, gotten, gotten a, a bad rap, uh, you know, for for this particular election. But I mean, really, Biden won by seven million votes or or something like that, and you know he kind of won the states he was supposed to and picked up uh, a couple he wasn't. So I'm not sure the polling was that far off this time. I mean, really, and it was only a matter of, I mean, we'll, we'll find out as the, you know, the academic studies start to trickle in, but the, the real, you know, issue is, you know, the, the people who it, it caught, it caught the Biden surge. It caught the people who were going to vote for Biden because they picked up the phone and, when the pollster called and said they were going to vote for Biden. I mean, the, the, what it it missed was that I think a lot of the, you know, Trump voters might have been just low propensity voters to begin with. And, you know, yeah. they when when the, the phone call came from, you know, unknown number or something like that, uh, they <laughs> they didn't pick up the phone. So they caught one side of the story, but not the other. But in 08, you know, polling was solid. 
um, you know, John McCain had gone from, you know, riding a pretty nice little bounce out of the convention. I mean, he was ahead in early September and then, you know, kind of his herky jerky response to the financial crisis. And then, you know, just the myriad of controversies that had surrounded Sarah Palin, um, mm-hmm. just kind of conspired to just drag his candidacy down and keep it there. So by by 08, everyone's at, at, by election night 08, everyone's they're in Grant Park. They want to see this airplane come in for a landing. So yeah. I get there at you know maybe five fifteen, five thirty. I just I went up. I told the cab driver, "Just get me as close as you can to Michigan and Roosevelt." And I think I got like two blocks away and just walked the rest of the way. And you know, you go in there and then, then no one's there. I mean, they didn't let people into the park yet. I think John Williams came down because he he might have been doing middays then. So he came down and we hooked up with him. And we John and I were doing like person on the street videos, like talking to people outside before they let everyone in. Um. Mm-hmm you know, what brings you out here, you know, that kind of stuff. And that went up on the website. I think that's still on the station's YouTube page, actually, uh, of, of us talking to Obama voters outside of Grant Park in 08. And then, um, the, uh, then the election starts going and, you know, I had a good, you know, cell phone signal. We had a, a cell phone card on the, on the laptop. And, you know, I think this was before, like Twitter was in serious or, or usage in the political world. So I think I just had the CNN uh, interactive map up on the laptop and mm-hmm. we get to about, it might've been eight thirty or nine o'clock and two seats down for me at the radio table was ABC news. And because we were an affiliate of, of ABC radio uh, their producer came over to me and just said, just so you know, and maybe you should tell your station, but ABC is about to call Ohio for Obama. And mm-hmm. that was kind of, I think, you know, Wisconsin had already been called Michigan, Pennsylvania. And I think it was like either Ohio or Florida. If either one of those were called, the West Coast states puts them over the top. And yeah, so... Uh, what happened was I called the station. I'm like, ABC's calling it for calling Ohio for Biden, for Biden, Obama. I think he's winning. <laughs> and so there was a huge roar in Grant Park when CNN called it for, cause CNN was on. So there's on, on the big screen. So the huge roar when they call Ohio, cause everyone knows what happened. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm thinking to myself, I have an hour. I have one hour to think of something really good to say (laughs) because he's going to be the first black president. This is something that's never happened before. Uh, You're in, you're in, you're at the campaign headquarters when it happens and Mm -hmm. knowing the, and just realizing that GN kept all of their historic moments like on tape and on CD so they could refer to it in the distant future, I'm like, 
you're doing this for yourself, you're doing this for history, you're doing this for the station's history, and they're going to be playing this tape 50 years from now, so you better be good. And, um, and I just, you know, 10 o'clock rolls around, CNN can call Washington, Oregon, and the state of California, and now we can declare that Barack Obama is the president-elect of the United States. And I just kind of described how, like, the, the crowd had, you know, went from, like, a murmur, silent, and then this explosive cheer. And I said it was like watching a, the crowd react to a home run as it comes off the bat as, you know, tens of thousands of people in Grant Park, uh, you know, acknowledge or, 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 or realize that Barack Obama has been elected the uh, 44th president of the United States. And then I just sat back and just let the crowd tell the rest of the story. And then there was really nothing to do after that. Uh, Cause the station, the station had took the station had taken the, you know, we were going to run all the speeches and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, McCain's concession speech went first. So they ran McCain. And then I just, I didn't know where Obama was coming from. Um, he was at the Hyatt. I had this image in my head where he's at home and, you know, he's watching it with his family at the house in Kenwood and they're, you know, they, they get in the limo and he's going up Lakeshore drive, uh, into Grant park. And, you know, you know, considering the fact that he lived in Chicago, that's kind of a waste of campaign dollars. But I guess they, they were holed up, they were holed up in the Hyatt with uh, Axelrod and the whole, and the whole gang. And then, yeah, they took the, I'm guessing they probably took the the secret underground McCormick Place uh, hotels to McCormick Place passageway to uh, to get to Grant Park, and then you know once again you know Obama spoke, and it was over, and it was probably eleven thirty, eleven forty five, and uh, it was time to uh, time to go back to the station. Um, you didn't even have to like get crowd reaction because we just had just a, a mountain of tape for the next day. And there were no, first off, Michigan Avenue was closed. Second, there were no cabs to be had anywhere because tens of thousands of people were pouring out of Grant Park. But right. since, and Uber wouldn't have been a thing. Oh like yeah. That. Uber, Uber was four years off. And because uh, it was a beautiful night, I turned to Kristen and go, I just walk back. And so we, we walk up Michigan Avenue, uh, you know, a couple of miles uh, to the back to the Tribune Tower, you know, 1200 South Michigan Avenue to 400 North. So it's a good, good mm-hmm. two mile walk. Um, and then we get to Millennium Park. Some guy like comes up to us, like walks out of a bar, like, and I don't mean, when I say walk, I mean, falls out of a bar and he sees us. He's like, Hey. Where are you going? I said, if we're going to the Tribune Tower, we both work at WGN Radio. Oh, really? I'm a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And I'm like, who are you? And he says his name. And I'm like, that's not, you don't, you don't work for this. You don't work for the Tribune. But I don't want to get into a fight with this guy because, A, he's really drunk. And B, like, the rum and coke fumes 
and I don't have like the best sense of smell, but the Roman Coke fumes coming off of this guy were considerable. I mean, if I had a cigarette mm-hmm. lighter, I, you know, he would have been the human torch given the, <laughs> given how much booze was like just coming out of this guy's mouth. So he just keeps following us like, yeah, this is great. Yeah, great. Yeah. I mean, just loaded beyond belief. And so we finally get to the Tribune Tower. I walk into the station. I go past the, you know, the front lobby desk and this guy follows us in. And then, you know, our, our, my card works. Kristen's card works. We both go in that little side entrance, uh, uh, that was in the lobby there. And, uh, and, and then security shagged the drunk and, uh, sent him, uh, back out <laughs> into the night. But it was, I mean, it's very hard, you know, it's hard to tell this story 12 years later without someone getting mad because they'll think you're being a cheerleader. They'll think you're, you know, in the tank for for one side. But Mm -hmm. it was a tremendous night for Chicago. It was a great night for the city. And, you know, you're, um, I was on this long walk back to the station. I'm thinking about how, you know, 40 years before in, in 1968, uh, you know, this, this was the same location where, where they had the convention unrest where police and protesters were in conflict and, you know, the, the fights over the Vietnam war and over, over, over civil rights had, had, you know, frayed the, the the demo the democratic coalition you know that it that had powered fdr and truman and kennedy and lyndon johnson that all kind of flew apart uh beginning in grant park in 1968 and then 40 years later um a new democratic coalition you know elects the first black president of the united states and if, i think if you went back to grant park in 1968 and said hey guess what happens 40 years from now uh they wouldn't believe you yeah. Well, and and I think that you're you're right that you kind of can't throw anything like that out there uh, without somebody getting mad because that that's just sort of the world we live in. But you know, I think anybody being elected president, whether it was you know Obama or even even Trump four years ago, or you know the drive-in, uh, uh, you know, victory speech by by Biden this time. Like that, that's, that's a historic thing. And, and that's an exciting thing to be a part of and just, and just witness. So it's, it's kind of sad that people can't separate out like the historical significance of something versus the, the politics of the moment. Well, I mean, the other thing too, is like, this was, you had a presidential candidate from Illinois who was right being elected, you know, who was found out he was elected to the highest office in the land in Illinois. I mean, before that, um, you had to go back to Ronald Reagan and, uh, yes, there was a big party in Dixon, Illinois, the night he was elected in 1980, but the mm-hmm. Reagan campaign and he delivered his speech in California. Um, yeah. and, 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 uh, you know, you talk about a guy too, you know, Obama in 08, just lived a real charmed life. I mean, that's really 99%, I think, of of <laughs> of winning presidential campaigns is just like not having things stick to you. And it's just like pure luck that it doesn't. 
And yeah. there was, you know, obviously, you know, there were a lot of charges and, you know, I mean, even going back to the primary, like the first kind of controversy out of the gate, maybe before Reverend Wright, uh, was the fact that Tony Rezko, this developer, power broker, business guy in Chicago, uh, had sold then Senator Obama a parcel of land uh, upon which, you know, was next to the house that Obama lived in 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 uh, in Kenwood, and then Rezko got uh, faced federal charges. Um, and I went to like the first day of it might have been jury selection. It might have been a pretrial hearing uh, in federal court for Tony Resco. And this is February of 08. And normally these these things are really sleepy. It's you and, you know, maybe just, you know, six or seven other reporters who just cover the courthouse beat for local publications and TV. But no, this was, you know, every there were TV reporters there. There were TV producers. There were investigative producers. There was someone, you know, someone I went to high school with who was part of, I hadn't seen her in a long time, and she was now part of Brian Ross's investigative unit at ABC. And so everybody, like, they had to, they had to use another courtroom as an overflow for all the reporters mm-hmm. who were covering this Resco thing only because there might have been an Obama connection. And... And once that kind of dried up, then. While at the same time, you've got people uh, calling into a radio station saying, why isn't anybody covering Resco? Oh, I'm sure of it. It was, (laughs) I mean, but, but people, you know, my favorite one was around that time we were getting, uh, they had, someone decided that they were going to route all of the like general tribune email inbox entries into all of our email inboxes. Oh, that's fine. So in the interest of maybe there's a tip that you could, you could use for news coverage, but instead it was like all of the, you know, you could watch kind of birtherism as it took shape. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they would make sure that like the tribune was included in all of your email forwards. And, and you could watch these minor family dramas play out because they would send the tribune on this mass email emailing like to relatives and media outlets. And then someone would hit reply all. And it'd be like, please stop emailing me this. This is why nobody invites you to birthdays anymore or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I think we've all been in that situation. So I, I think like the, the important life lesson uh, to take from your story, Rob is, uh, you know, lighten up on the politics. Sometimes uh, th- things are just historically significant, and uh, and you know, we we don't have to uh, we don't have to argue politics about every. No, thing. it was it was. I, I just think it was a great moment for Chicago. It's one of those events that you're going to see in a history book for a long time. Um, and I guess the other lesson is it's all in the timing. Um, they could have very easily decided to send somebody else to Grant Park that night. GN did. And uh, because they didn't, you know, I, there, you know, we have these, you know, books about presidential history for our daughters. And yeah, one of those beauty shots at Grant Park is in the Obama entry. And I got to point out to my kids, see that tent? <laughs> see all of those <laughs> risers? 
I'm way behind them. But yeah, it's like, you know, you got to see this thing in person. And oh, the other thing I remember about that night. So it's it's over and uh, we're just like, what, what do we do? Oh, we do. We, I did talk to some people in, in, in the crowd who were leaving. And so we're done getting the man on the street stuff. And I'm like completely, you know, my head's a buzz with the fact like, oh, I got to, you know, call, describe history, this like amazing historic moment as it happened. You know, I was there and I just like all the, you know, the, the, the implications of that are like flying around my head. And I walk right into a TV live shot. <laughs> uh, there was some, there was some guy who worked for channel nine who was doing a TV live shot. And I literally, he was live on, on channel nine and I walked right in front of him and I just go, Oh, and then just like hustle out of the shot. And I didn't even acknowledge my faux pas. I just ran away from the guy. <laughs> he left the market, but yes, I, I've got a nice, uh, I've got a nice collection of me doing that. So uh, you're not, you're not, alone this wasn't even like hovering behind the person. This was going right in front of him. Uh, this, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, uh, there. So there's, there's the, the good stuff. There's the historic stuff. There's the look, there is dad in the tent stuff. And then there's the, Oh my God, I just walked in front of a TV reporter, like a doofus. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. Sure. Mark. Happy to do it. And uh, yeah, it's just, you know, that uh, it was, it was, it was one of those moments. Also, the one last thing was the last moment was, was walking before the drunk showed up. And after I thought about how, you know, we're 40 years removed from the Democratic National Convention was that you think about how all of the racial wounds this country has and mm -hmm. You know, this, the, you know, the, the, the question of race is literally the only one that, that led Americans to slaughter each other. And yet here we have a black man runs for president and wins convincingly, like run, running away. And I thought, wow, maybe we are really capable of, of, of change or changing that maybe we need to give Americans a lot more credit than we deserve for for doing this. And, you know, mm -hmm. even regardless of all the stuff that came after that, I think that's still, that statement is still operative. We are capable of doing that. If you think you can top Rob's story, shoot me an email at greatest story ever podcast at gmail.com.